Well, hey everyone, welcome to the project. It is so great to be with you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your Sunday uh, to spend it with us. We really appreciate that. Uh, my name is Abby, as Cal so complicatedly said, which it was a really cool introduction, but uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, yeah, it's such a joy and an honor to be able to uh, be on this team and to get to do life uh, with you guys. And so tonight we're starting a new series. It's called Summer Mixtape. And we're gonna be diving into different passages in the book of Psalms which is in the first half of the Bible. And here at the project, we believe that the Bible is God's true and lasting word. It was written over centuries by different people, and it continues to have relevancy and applicability to our lives today in 2023. So more about the Psalms. Uh, this is a book, uh, it's a collection of 150 musical poems and prayers that were written by multiple authors, but primarily a guy named David who is a king of Israel. Psalms is probably one of my favorite books of the Bible because it just so powerfully represents the full range of human emotions in relation to one's journey with God. You know, they're so deeply relational and personal and give us such incredible insight into who God is. The Psalms are often written in the form of prayers and uh, they were written by individuals who at times really struggled in their faith, uh, in their relationships with God, but even then they continue to hold fast and to endure and to keep going despite the many curveballs that life would throw at them. And so today we're gonna be looking at uh, one of my favorite Psalms, it's Psalm 46. Uh, it was written by the sons of Korah and they were responsible for the ministry of music and song. And uh, there's some debate, I'm, uh, to preface this, if you don't know me, I'm like a huge Bible nerd, so you're just gonna have to get on board if you don't like that, sorry. But uh, it's just a really cool way to just even think through the Bible to realize that there are real people and real things going on. So will this be a social studies class? Maybe, a little, but uh, hopefully you'll thank me later. So uh, there's some debate on the historical background of this specific psalm, but some scholars believe that it's uh, a recounting of God's deliverance of Jerusalem, uh, a city from the Assyrian army during the reign of a king named Hezekiah. And so again, if you're really into that nerdy stuff, you wanna get your history, you wanna know what's going on, uh, you can read that story in 2 Kings uh, 18 to 20. You can read about his time reigning then. But regardless whether or not uh, that's truly what the context is for this psalm, uh, it shares some very important and beautiful aspects about God's character that I believe are still relevant to our lives and, and the way that we trust him and know him today. So let's read that psalm together. It's Psalm 46, you can pull it up on your phone uh, or it will come up on the screen behind me. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the ocean roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction to the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So as I read and digest that psalm, I think there's truly so much that we can learn from it. You know, it tells us so much about God's character and how that impacts our humanness and our day-to-day lives. And it does so with some really beautiful and vivid imagery. You know, there's an understanding that, you know, life will be hard sometimes, we'll get curveballs thrown at us, but even through that, God is still there for us. And so I would summarize the overarching idea of the psalm to be this, that we can have radical trust in God even in the face of overwhelming threat. We can have radical trust in God even in the face of overwhelming threat. You know, even in the impossible situations, even when the answer to our problems just feels so out of reach, even when we feel hopeless and lost. You know, there's different ways that the psalm encourages us to trust God. And they're all based on different aspects of his character. So I want to look at the first one. The first one is that we can trust God as our refuge. So I want to just quickly read that first, the first three verses of this psalm one more time. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. So if we were to consider that contextual argument that I talked about before, that the psalm was written during the reign of King Hezekiah, we can see that things aren't going too great in Judah. You know, at this point in in 2 Kings, the story tells us that 46 towns and villages had been raided, that 200,000 people had been taken captive, and a large amount of spoil had been plundered. At this point, at least 185,000 soldiers are surrounding the city, surrounding Jerusalem, and it looked like it was only a matter of time until the city was about to fall. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not want to be in the king's Birkenstocks uh, if, that was, if that was me. Uh, I get nervous about, like, how many snacks to buy after the project. Like, we did Oreos, like, a month ago, and it was just the most stressful thing for me to try and order those on Click and Collect. Um, I get nervous about, like, what caption to post on Instagram. So, you know, I don't know if ruling a city that's under chaos would really be something for my scope. So definitely not envying him there. But it would have been tempting for King Hezekiah to try and take full control of the situation. You know, his city that he rules over, that he is supposed to lead, is just falling apart. You know, he could have tried to form an alliance with another nation. We even read in 2 Kings that he tried to reason with the king that was fighting against him by giving him silver and gold, and uh, that really do anything. But ultimately, what changed the trajectory of the story was Hezekiah's radical trust in God as his refuge. The original Hebrew word for refuge used in this context, it translates to being a place of shelter, hope, and trust. A place where you can find asylum and rest. And so here the psalmist is declaring that aspect of God's character, that he is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help when trouble comes. And even following along this war imagery, we read that God is a fortress where we can find safety even in the middle of a battle. And I haven't been through many battles in my life, but one battle that I've really been through was uh, just any time I played capture the flag. Um, 
ever. Uh, I hate that game because I, I hate getting tagged and I just hate losing, so I just don't want to play it. Uh, but I do want to tell you about the last time I played it. And uh, I don't even know, I will tell the story, but it's just a little complicated because it does involve our sports small group here at the project. So first of all, a little shameless plug, uh, if you don't do anything on Monday nights except for tomorrow because it is the long weekend, we have an awesome small group called Pro Sports meet most Monday nights uh, to play a different sport each week. You can find out more about that on our website. But anyways, um, a couple years ago, I'd been going to pro sports pretty consistently. This may have been actually one of the last times uh, that, that I went. But nonetheless, uh, it's, it's capital flag night at pro sports, so I show up. And uh, one of my friends, who shall remain nameless, because I think they might even be here tonight. I think I saw them in the lobby. Uh, anyways, you know who you are. Anyways, we're playing, and this, this person is on the other team, and uh, he's, but he's come to like my team's zone, my team's end, and uh, he's, he doesn't realize like, that anyone's around him, so he's just like hanging out. And I see him, and I'm like, perfect, this is it, I'm gonna tag him, it's gonna feel really good for me to like, finally like, get a win in this game. So I just start sprinting, and like, I did track and field in high school, so that version of Abby just came up to the surface, and I'm booking it, I'm sprinting, and I'm about to tag him, and I like extend my, actually I extend this arm out to tag him, and as I'm about to touch him, literally right, like I'm almost there, someone's like, dude, look out, like someone's gonna tag you, and so this person realized that I'm there, and he ducks, just does one of these. I don't know why he couldn't have just like accepted defeat because I obviously ended up tagging him anyways, but that duck resulted in me doing like an unplanned and very unwanted barrel roll and then falling over and landing on my left ring finger. And I remember it hurting pretty bad and I was already whiny the whole game, so I was like, well, this is it, I don't wanna play anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I just kinda like stood there and was complaining. Um, but afterwards we went out for food and I like look at my finger and I'm like, Whew, it's stinging really bad, it's about twice the size that it should be, and it's purple. That's not great. And so naturally, as a musician, uh, I play violin. This, this hand is very important to me. As a woman who hopes to have a very important ring on this finger one day, uh, the future of this, it really mattered to me. So I was definitely freaking out. Thankfully, it ended up being fine. I did get to rock a splint for a couple of weeks, but uh, she's, she's doing great. She's doing great, so that's good. But during our games, we had uh, a, an established safety zone around each team's flag. So that meant that once you were in that safety zone, the other team couldn't tag you. So after all of that fast and strategic running, you could take a break and just rest for a while. Now, did I ever make it there? No, because I was too busy whining about my finger. Um, but in the same way that we had this zone that was protected from the danger of the opposing team while we paid, played capture the flag, in the midst of the challenges and storms life brings us, we can trust and, and run to God knowing that he will guard us from harm. But it's important to understand uh, the purpose behind God's protection. Like once you've made it to the safe zone and captured the flag, it doesn't mean that your mission is over. You actually uh, have to successfully bring the flag back to your end. You know, that safe zone, it gives you some time to strategize and to think about how you're gonna bring that flag back. But there's still something to do. And the purpose of God's protection isn't just to like pamper us or give us like a nice day at the spa. It's to equip us to get back out there so that we can go back to the challenges of life with a renewed sense of strength and of purpose. 
And even as a Christian, you know, life is full of challenges and it's full of struggles. And God just isn't, you know, sitting up in heaven ready to just like wave his magical wand, like a problem-solving wand that will just make all of our lives easier, even though I wish he would do that sometimes. Um, You know, the psalm doesn't say, we will not fear if the earthquakes come and if the mountains crumble into the sea. It's when. It's when those things happen. They're inevitable. It's inevitable that we will face difficulties in this life. But, you know, while we can't control the storms that are surrounding us, we can control our response. And that's because of what uh, that verse, the first verse declares about God's character, that he is our refuge and our strength always ready to help us in times of trouble. So what does that mean for us? You know, the psalmist says, we will not fear. I love how verse three is written in this translation because it it kind of invites the oceans to roar and foam and the mountains to tremble. It's like, oh yeah, like come at me. Like there's this big God that is my refuge and my strength. Like I'm good. And uh, again, we're just continuing on with the sports story. So I played competitive soccer as a kid and I used to get really, really nervous before games. to the point where like I couldn't eat like three to four hours before a game, I would just get so nervous. So I really had to like plan out my meals to make sure that I was still getting my nourishment. Um, But there was one time that we played against a team in our league that was not very good. And all of a sudden I just had a ton of confidence in my stomach. So much to the point that like, I was like, you know what? I'm actually hungry, like half an hour before this game starts, so what do I do? I go to McDonald's and I get two chicken snack wraps and I play with them both in my pocket the whole time. And I think that's kind of one of the coolest things that I've ever done. But I was so confident, I was so confident in the strength of our team uh, and I trust that we would do well and we did, so I didn't have this sense of like fear or doubt. I could just eat the snack wraps and enjoy the game. But uh, because of who God is, we can trust him as our refuge. Not only that, but we can also trust him as our resource. As we look at the second portion of this psalm, this war and battle imagery continues. It says, a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So let's just dive back into what's going on with King Hezekiah at this point. So Jerusalem, which is considered the city of God, is unique to all other ancient cities. Again, we're putting the social studies caps on right now, okay? Um, it's very different than the cities of its time because it wasn't built on a river. And this was a problem because you needed quick access to water, especially if your city is under attack. So when the Assyrians attacked Jerusalem, they thought that they had it in the bag because they just assumed they didn't have any water. And they thought it would ultimately just cause them to surrender. But uh, unbeknownst to them, Jerusalem actually had a source of water um, because the king, he was a smart guy. He worked smarter and he worked harder because what he did is he built this underground tunnel that secretly brought water to the city and supplied them with everything that they would have needed during the attack of the city. And on an even deeper note, this river is a reflection of the spiritual resource that God is to us. Throughout the Bible, water is used as a symbol of restoration and blessing. You know, we see it when God cleanses the earth of corruption by sending a great flood and then establishes a new promise with Noah in the book of Genesis. Earlier in 2 Kings, there's a guy named Elisha who's a prophet and he instructs a man with this skin disease to cleanse himself seven times in a river and he comes out healed. 
But more importantly, on a spiritual level, God establishes himself as the living water. You know, the only one that can satisfy our spiritual thirst for something beyond just this physical world. And in the same way that in the middle of an extreme heat wave, you know, our bodies crave a nice cold glass of water, our souls are also longing to be filled. And since the beginning of time, you know, humanity has tried to fill that void with all of the wrong things. Sometimes it's explicitly destructive things like alcohol or drugs or pornography or sex outside of God's intended design, greed or crime or whatever it is. And then there's sometimes things that may not appear to be so bad on the surface like people or job success or material things or social media or TV or movies. And the problem with giving these things a pedestal in our lives is that, well, there's a few, you know, first of all, they're temporary. You know, your cars and your clothes won't be buried with you when you die. They don't have the ability to know us intimately. Netflix and Disney Plus and Crave, they don't care about how hard your life is or what you're going through. They just, they'll check on you to make sure you're still watching and they'll take your money at the end of the month. Even people in our lives, despite how much we love them and know them, you know, they still aren't perfect and there's gonna be times where they let us down. And ultimately, they all pale in comparison to the love and care that God has for you. And I'm not saying you should like isolate yourself from your loved ones or like never watch your favorite show again, but what I want you to recognize is that when we trust God to be our primary resource, he promises to fill us, to fulfill us completely. Later on in the New Testament of the Bible where we're hearing or reading the accounts of Jesus' life here on earth, Jesus is speaking to a woman who is drawing water from a well. And he invites her to partake in his spirit of grace to drink from the living water that will be all satisfying and will lead to the gift of everlasting life. So when we choose to accept the gift of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, and metaphorically drink the living water, we will be sustained and we will be fulfilled. And you know, that's the beautiful thing about our God is that he doesn't just shelter us from the dangers around us, but he also provides for our needs. And lastly, we can trust him as our ruler. So the last portion of this psalm, it says this. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So this third and final scene, it reflects the outcome of King Hezekiah's radical trust in God. After he prays for the Lord to save his people from the hand of the Assyrians, God comes through in a truly incredible way. He sends down an angel uh, in the night and he strikes down all 185,000 Assyrian troops. And the morning the people of Jerusalem, they, when they wake up, they realize that they had been spared, that they had been saved. They didn't even have to fight the battle, but the bodies of their, or of their enemies sorry, were left as evidence of God's faithfulness to them. You know, even though the Assyrians came with the intent to attack, and it seemed like they would be successful, you know, God being an all-powerful ruler disarmed them so that their plans wouldn't prosper. The writers of the psalm, they begin this section by encouraging the reader to remember God's work throughout time, how he has delivered people from their enemies time and time again. 
and how he even continues to do that for us today. When we trust God as our ruler, it requires us to give up control, to step out of the driver's seat of our lives. And I know for me, as someone who loves control, uh, that is a very hard thing to do. You know, by nature, we wanna plan things and govern our lives. But I wanna encourage you today that it is so worth it to trust God as the ruler of your life. First off, because he wants to fight your battles. You know, it would have been very unlikely that Hezekiah's kingdom would have been able to defeat the Assyrians. They were outnumbered, losing all power throughout the land, but we see that Hezekiah followed the instruction of just being still. You know, God did all of the heavy lifting. He defeated the enemy and also kept Jerusalem intact at the same time. Now, sometimes there are times where, you know, God tells us to move and to act, you know, like when he built that underground tunnel, you know, that was some wisdom on his part. But until then, we can allow him to work in his own way and in his own time. You know, it's also worth it to trust God as your, the ruler over your life because of his presence. You know, there is never a part of the process where we are left alone to fend for ourselves. The psalmist says twice that the Lord of heaven's armies is among us. And usually if you repeat something, that means that it's pretty important. You know, he is with us in the brunt of the storms that surround us. He's with us when our mental health isn't great and when our hearts are broken and when we lose people in our lives and when we fail. You know, when we're sick and stressed and tired and lonely. And he's there when life is great. You know, when we feel happy, when we get the guy or we get the girl or the promotion and the results that we were hoping for. You know, one translation of this passage, it says that he is on our side. You know, he wants to fight our battles and he is also for us. He's on our team. He wants you to succeed. He wants the best for each of you. You know, his desire isn't merely for us to just suffer for the sake of suffering, but it's through the hard things we face that he will make himself known to us. He'll show us that we can lean on him and trust him because he's got it. He has a plan and purpose for each season. So I encourage you to remember how God has carried you in your own life and to find comfort in the fact that he's done that and he will continue to do that again. So as we enter into this time of worship again, we're gonna just sing a couple of songs together. Uh, I just invite you to just, yeah, reflect on this psalm. You know, maybe there's something that you feel like God is saying to you. Maybe there's something in one of these songs that will just really resonate with you. And like I said, you know, I, I just really, I love how open and vulnerable and honest like that theme is just throughout the book of Psalms. And uh, for me, it's just an encouragement that we can also be vulnerable and real and authentic towards God. You know, if something is going really, really bad, you can have this unfiltered conversation where you're like, oh, life sucks, you don't need to put on a face and pretend like everything is good before you go to God. He already knows, so there's no point in, in hiding that. And so I just encourage you to think, you know, in your own life, what or who is your refuge, your resource, and your ruler? You know, what are you running to for safety and provision? What is leading you in your life? And how do you know, how do you know what those things are? Well, it's reflected in your values. What do you value? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What do you think about? All of those things. And so I encourage you then to think about what shifts you need to make in your own life so that God can hold that position, those positions of being your refuge, 
your resource, and your ruler. And this isn't a time for you to be like, oh man, I'm the worst person or I'm the worst Christian in the world. That's definitely not what this is about, but um, that's just the grace of God is that he just wants you to be real and honest. He wants to meet you right where you're at so you can pick up and keep going. So maybe things are going really great right now and that's awesome and maybe they're not and, and that's okay too, but I just encourage you to just be real in these moments. Take some time to pray, to sing these words over your life and just... If you seek him, I promise that he will meet you. So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you are a refuge and our resource and our ruler. That you wanna hold these positions in our lives. So if there's things that are maybe in the way of that, would you just make it clear to us? Would you help us to make those shifts and transitions so that you can have your way so that you can lead us into the life that you want us to live, Lord. I thank you that even in the midst of chaos or the metaphorical battles we may be fighting, that you go before us, that you will fight those battles. And, you know, if there's some of us in this room, and I, I know I'm including myself, who just really want control over certain things in our lives, Lord, would you just help us to see that your way is better? that where we think we might have the solution that you know maybe you're just calling us to just wait and to just be still and to let you do all the heavy lifting and then you let us celebrate in that victory. So Lord, I thank you for each person in this room tonight. Um, would you just open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to what you have to say to us, amen. Awesome, I invite you to stand as we uh, continue to sing together. <laughs>